This is AutoLine Daily, the show dedicated to enthusiasts of the global automotive industry. It sure pays to sell cars at a dealership. According to Automotive News' dealership salary survey, the average salesperson at a U.S. car dealer made just over $200,000 in wages, commissions, and bonuses last year. And most of them are optimistic about their future wages, with 53% of respondents saying they expect to get a pay raise in the next three years. Even so, they have to put in long hours to make those big bucks. Most salespeople work nearly 52 hours a week. And there's gross inequality on the showroom floor. Men make an average of $74,000 more than women. Uh Uh-oh, this doesn't look good for hydrogen fuel cells in heavy-duty trucks. The CEO of MAN, which is a part of Volkswagen's giant Tratton truck group, says hydrogen trucks are not viable. He says that trucks need to run on green hydrogen or they're not even sustainable compared to ICE trucks running on diesel fuel. Green hydrogen is made using renewable sources like solar and wind, but it's only available in very small quantities and is very expensive. The CEO says it's cheaper to make electricity from renewable sources than making it from hydrogen, saying you capture 75% of the renewable energy with electricity versus only 25% with hydrogen. Even though other companies like Bosch, Hyundai, Volvo Truck, and more are working on fuel cells for heavy trucks, MAN believes they won't be viable until 2035 at the earliest. Honda is splitting its automotive operations into three separate groups, and it's all about getting the legacy automaker ready for the transition to electric vehicles. The new business units include a group called Automobile Production Operations, which will handle all manufacturing and manufacturing engineering. Another unit called Supply Chain and Purchasing Operations will especially concentrate on getting the parts and system it needs for EVs and software-defined vehicles. And a third unit called Quality Innovation Operations is tasked with maintaining high-quality standards as the company transitions to EVs and will also take on cybersecurity responsibilities. Our take is that Honda felt that top management needed more visibility into these operations, and having them buried within its automotive division could have hid problems that needed to be dealt with quickly. But none of these changes will go into effect until the 1st of April. Traditional automakers are struggling with software because they're doing it all wrong, said Jan Becker, the CEO of Apex AI. Becker is an expert in autonomous technology, and he knows software. He says you need a small, highly efficient team of only 8 to 20 exceptional software engineers. And you better be ready to pay to get that rock star talent, at least a million bucks a year per engineer, because that's the going rate for top talent in the Valley. Outsourcing software development to low-cost countries is not the answer, he says adding that traditional OEMs focus too much on cost and need to focus more on value. Moreover, those software engineers need to operate outside of the existing corporate organization. They need short development cycles. They need a single depository for all the data for all the vehicle lines an OEM has, i.e. no more data lakes strewn across the company. Also, they need to write in C++ or Rust 
but definitely not in C. So what do you think? Will legacy automakers be willing to pay a million bucks per software engineer? Or will they continue to scour the world for low-cost coders? Stellantis revealed a bunch of details about its Stella Large platform, but first a quick recap. Instead of going with dedicated EV platforms, Stellantis created four architectures called Stella Small, Stella Medium, Stella Large, and Stella Frame. And they can support most powertrain types and will cover all of its major vehicle segments. Stella Large will handle D and E segment vehicles from family-oriented to high-performance to off-road to luxury. Eight vehicles will feature this platform from 2024 to 2026. The first will be Jeep and Dodge models in North America, including the Jeep Wagoneer S shown off last week, as well as cars from Alfa Romeo, Chrysler, and Maserati. As we said, Stella Large can support a number of different powertrains, including ICE, hybrid, plug-in hybrid, and pure electric. Engines and motors can drive the front, rear, or all four wheels. All electric versions will have either 4 or 800 volt electronic architectures, as well as OTA capabilities, which will include performance updates. Battery sizes will range from 85 to 118 kilowatt hours, providing up to 800 kilometers or about 500 miles of range. And it's targeting acceleration from 0 to 100 kilometers an hour in the 2 second range. Stellantis says it will have 48 BEVs on the market by the end of this year, and it's investing over 50 billion euros by the end of the decade to meet its sales goals, which will also require roughly 400 gigawatt hours of battery capacity. But it says its flexible architectures allow it to replicate production at its plants all around the world, so it will be able to offer models at a competitive price without having to make price cuts. And CEO's Carlos Tavares thinks price cuts are a race to the bottom, which, quote, will end up in a bloodbath. Ford and Lincoln are coming out with a new and improved infotainment system. And compared to today's system, the new Ford and Lincoln digital experience has five times faster processing, 14 times faster graphics processing, four times the memory, and eight times the storage. The big change for customers will be how they view and interact with their vehicle's infotainment system, including an available 48-inch pillar-to-pillar display in the new Lincoln Nautilus. Google and Amazon are built into the system, and it will also have integrated Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Google Assistant can help aid voice commands, or Alexa can be used as an alternative. Users will also be able to make updates, download apps to play games or watch TVs or movies, including third-party apps. And this is the start of Ford's attempt to bring more of its software development in-house, which it says will allow it to offer services and updates even faster. Acura announced pricing in the U.S. for its first-ever EV, the ZDX. It starts at $64,500 for the rear-drive version. The dual-motor ZDX starts at $68,500, the more powerful Type S version starts at $73,500, and if you want performance wheels and tires, 
it will cost you an extra thousand bucks on that Type S. The prices do not include destination charges or other EV incentives. Acura is also offering customers three charging packages to choose from, which is included in the MSRP. It's a combination of public charging credits, charging equipment, and installation credits. Chinese brands aren't the only ones boosting exports out of China. So are foreign automakers. According to the China Association of Automobile Manufacturers, 18 foreign brands exported 910,000 vehicles from China last year, or 22% of the total 4.1 million vehicles exported. Tesla was the largest with 344,000. GM and Ford were also among the leaders with their exports increasing a combined 21% last year. As many foreign automakers see their sales drop in China, they need to export cars to keep their assembly lines humming to protect their profitability. And one of the reasons exports are increasing is because there's too much capacity in China. But that could change. China's Vice Minister of Industry and Information Technology admitted that overcapacity is a problem and vowed that the government will take, quote, forceful measures to prevent superfluous projects. According to consultancy firm Automobility, there's anywhere between 5 to 10 million units of overcapacity in China. While many experts expect consolidation in the Chinese car market, most assembly plants will likely never close because local governments rely on them for the jobs they provide. And that means all that overcapacity could be in place for a long time to come. At a time when GM Cruise has halted all of its autonomous ride-hailing services in the United States, Waymo is expanding into more cities. Waymo has been operating for years in Phoenix, Arizona. Last year, it expanded into San Francisco, and it just applied to operate in Los Angeles. And after that, it will add Austin, Texas. GM has kind of given robo-taxis a black eye in the U.S., but Waymo has shown that its approach is working with politicians, first responders, and most importantly, with the public. But that brings us to the end of today's show. Thanks for tuning in. Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Intrepid Control Systems, over-the-air engineering, boost your game, and by Tajin Automotive Technologies, the formula for better mobility. We want to know what drives your testing. OTA, connected car, diagnostics, remote testing. Intrepid Control Systems is here to help you work from anywhere. Intrepid Control Systems, driven by your data. At Tajin Automotive Technologies, we combine world-class composite materials expertise with cutting-edge designs because, frankly, there are better ways to lightweight vehicles. So lighten up with Tajin Automotive Technologies, the formula for better mobility.